0: Today on The Good Word, we're talking about who gets to be in charge and why virtue follows leadership rather than the other way around. A long time ago, far away, a traveler arrived in a kingdom he'd never even heard of before. At first glance, the king and his subjects seemed the same as people anywhere else, but the traveler noticed something was off. The long line of portraits displaying the many monarchs in the ballroom all looked so different from each other. Each king or queen was different than the one before and the one after, no family resemblance at all. The traveler thought they had stumbled into a country where kingships were toppled by violence and the throne didn't follow lineage because of an outside threat. As politely as possible, he asked a castle maid how the king gained his throne, dreading an answer of a successful coup. "'The king,' she said, "'oh, he's nice to everybody. We all know he has our best interests.'" So being in charge makes sense. The traveler was confused. You elect the nicest person as king? The maid shook her head. Not exactly, but those who aren't trusted don't stick around. You might gain the crown any old way, but you have to earn it if you want to keep it. Ideally, those who have power are the most qualified to use it, but that's often not the case in practice. Holding power is more than just being nice or being persuasive. Having a position of leadership means working with other people and their motivations, their hopes and fears, more than just treating them as objects or spreadsheets. This is true for positions here on earth as well as spiritual leadership. While involved in the Lord's work, we're often asked to wield His power in His name, frequently with an influence over our brothers and sisters. As Doctrine and Covenant section 121 explains, just being assigned a task is not enough. True leadership comes from relationships. No power or influence can or ought to be maintained by virtue of the priesthood, only by persuasion, by long-suffering, by gentleness and meekness, and by love unfeigned, by kindness and pure knowledge which shall greatly enlarge the soul without hypocrisy and without guile, reproving betimes with sharpness when moved upon by the Holy Ghost, and then showing forth afterwards an increase of love toward him whom thou hast reproved, lest he esteem thee to be his enemy, that he may know that thy faithfulness is stronger than the cords of death. It's not enough, within or without the church, to simply say, I have the authority, so you must listen to me. The most important requirement for a leader is an honest love for those around them. No matter how qualified we may feel we are on paper, the human touch is what makes the difference. Even in circumstances where reproval may be necessary, the goal is not to throw weight around and punish wrongdoers. The Lord's example has always been to correct privately and compassionately. Whether through persuasion, correction, or kindness, the goal is to love those we serve. Throughout life, we'll take on many roles, some with authority, some under authority. Holding responsibilities is not what makes any person stand above another person in God's eyes. The world may confuse us into thinking we're given leadership because we're virtuous, but the thinking is a bit reversed there. We're often given responsibility because we need to learn virtue through the exercise of God's will. Those who use the Lord's power unrighteously, must face his judgment for doing so, as his authority is given for one purpose only, to bless his children on the earth. And that's the good word.